0: Hey everybody, Jason here with the One Stop Co-op Shop. I have two announcements before we get to today's show. The first is an announcement from Grand Gamers Guild. They publish Endangered, one of my favorite cooperative games for wonderful players in which you are playing conservationists, appealing to world ambassadors for your efforts. They are doing a new promotion to benefit refugees uh, fleeing from the Ukraine crisis. So uh, you can go to the website. They I will have a link in the show notes. You can buy a special ambassador card for $5, the proceeds for which 100% will go to international rescue efforts. So please go ahead and check out that promotion. Uh, very cool thing that they're doing for uh, the Ukraine situation. They're not the only ones, but they're the ones that contacted me. Uh, please go ahead. Uh, if you want to help in any way possible, go check out uh, Grand Gamers Guild or any publisher and see what they're up to. The second announcement is that this is the audio version of a video that I did on my channel, Shelf Stories. I'm going to launch a new series of cultural reviews of games. I take deep dives, hard looks at the thematic cultural content of many of the most popular solo and cooperative games. uh, And those videos are now live on, on Shelf Stories. I'm going to publish episode zero here, which is the explanation, the origin of this concept that I'm calling CASE. That's an acronym that I'll describe a little bit later in the show, but that's my lens through which I engage in cultural criticism of games. I explain that here. Uh, The next episode is going to be the first uh, actual game analysis, which would be Lost Ruins of Arnak. So that's it. On to the show. Hello and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more Shelf Stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. I am your host, Jason. Thank you so much for stopping by for this new series. This is episode zero of a series I'm calling The Case Files here on Shelf Stories. It is an evolution of good trouble. I have started a lot of conversations. I've touched a lot of third rails, culture, politics, gender, uh, throughout my time uh, on this channel. Hopefully, I've done so in a way that offers something constructive. Uh, This new evolution that I'm calling the CASE Files uh, will be a series of episodes that are much shorter and get to the point, look at individual games and uh, pass them through what I'm calling the lens of CASE. CASE is an acronym for cultural appropriation, stereotyping, and erasure. In terms of things that can go wrong on a table in terms of its messaging or uh, the experience that it generates, I think that this acronym covers a huge chunk of it, if not all of the ways that board games can go wrong. So I am going to you know, feature some games there. But first, in this episode zero, I want to define terms. All these terms are up for debate. Uh, lots of different opinions on them. So I'd like to be very clear on what I mean uh, with each of these terms, appropriation, stereotyping, and erasure. These are bad things, but I'm not going to assume anything about the people that are making it. I'm going to assume best intent on any designers and publishers who make games and any players who enjoy games. As always, anything that I offer here on Shelf Stories uh, will be offered in a spirit of education and compassion. So first up is cultural appropriation. That is when a game at the table has cultural pieces, whether it's ideas or aesthetics or or something else. Uh, and the creator has taken it from uh, a culture that is not of their own personal life experience, uh, but it is from another's. And I want to distinguish that right away from a cultural appreciation or borrowing. Humans have borrowed uh, from one another's culture throughout human history. Uh, whenever two humans get together, two groups of humans, the first thing they do is they start sharing. And, you know, that's how cultures change and evolve. Uh, That is how we learn and improve different perspectives. Cultural borrowing is amazing. And as a multicultural person, I affirm it, especially when it is uh, mutual and honor is done to the origin culture that is being borrowed from. That's all good. My issue is when the appreciation kind of becomes asymmetrical. Now we're starting to get into the space of an appropriation. Happens in two different dimensions. One, the depiction is uh, a little bit distorted or not in the way that the origin culture would want, or the material benefits of the appreciation, uh, the limited resources of money, sales, uh, and attention flow one way, usually towards the dominant culture appropriations in board games and other cultural media i think uh often start from an innocent enough place an artist or a publisher wants to include something visually striking in their game uh, just to make it stand out for the pack or they might be just be following the rule of cool so oh that's cool uh, my game has some nature elements so let me borrow from what i know of indigenous uh, aspects or from in the desert let's uh, get into middle eastern stuff in there on and on and on uh, to make our games more interesting and appealing to either ourselves or to you know, a consumer audience. And what ends up happening is when we talk about interesting, exotic, strange, uh, those things are normal in the context of the origin culture and by as expressed by those people. So it is in that translation we take something that is normal and lived. In its origin context, we extract it and present it in our own way, according to our own life experiences, using our biases and blind spots and all this stuff that happens. That's where we get distortions. Photocopies are never as good as the original, no matter how hard we try. And because of that sort of filtering effect that happens as we translate one cultural aspect to another, it's where we get unthinking stereotypes and disrespectful presentation or flat out cultural lies that I'm happy to call out (laughs) whenever I see them. We can do things like present serious cultural dress as goofy cosplay or turn a rich tapestry of cultural pieces that exist in different cultures. There is very rarely one indigenous culture or one Middle Eastern culture or one Asian culture. It's a tapestry of a lot of things, but then it becomes this kind of generalized, reified thing, smashed together, collage way, or uh, something along those lines. Appropriations can take all sorts of different forms. Those are just two examples. None of this is to say that there's any uh, ill intent involved. It's just things that could happen when we appropriate from cultures if we're not careful or if we're not working with somebody from the origin culture. Even further, beyond these distortionary effects, appropriations can represent actual theft of something valuable and limited. The creator could, for example, fail to give adequate credit to the origin culture at all which we call stealing. (laughs) And I'm happy to call that out whenever I see it as well, especially for larger projects. This is a really subtle point. I'm very happy to articulate in the comments below and also in future videos. The bigger your project, the more millions it makes on Kickstarter, uh, the more it is branded, uh, so to speak, uh, in the gamer community. When appropriations are... Uh, present in those projects they take up consumer attention and mind space that most precious of resources ask any publisher what do they want as a precursor to their sales attention for their projects and when an appropriation gets all the attention it makes a creation from uh, someone from the origin culture it's harder for them to get that attention if i have in mind a stereotyped Uh, native with the big feathers and you know the bones and weaponry and all that that kind of thing Uh, that becomes the default idea and it's harder for the poc the indigenous person or whoever it is to present something authentic and more three-dimensional if the white american or european designer gets there first the poc has to work twice as hard to get half as far to get the attention of consumers and gamers, that is appropriation. The line between the two is very thin, appreciation and appropriation, but that is what I'm going to spend my case files series exploring case by case. I've already begun talking about uh, distortions in cultural depictions, Uh, let's drill down. Let's talk about the S in case, cultural stereotypes. These are two-dimensional, inauthentic, unnuanced depictions of people and cultures. And marginalized uh, folks uh, like myself or our communities deal with this stuff all the time. Some of the worst ones. Uh, black folks as aggressive and criminal Um The merciless Indian savage, the lazy Latino, uh, Muslims as terrorists, the sexualized TNA poses of women, the ignorant uh, manual laborer showing their butt crack, and many, many more. Uh, I happen to think we're becoming more and more conscious of them, and so we're getting less and less of them in our games, but still... Uh, A lot of times they'll pass through the filter, especially when the creator or whoever's in the room of the creation process isn't aware of these uh, stereotypes for whatever reason. And once again, I will call those out every time I see them. But it might not be ragingly offensive on its face. Uh, A lot of cultural things can become stereotypes when they are seized upon and presented over and over and over again. In Western culture, we have a bias towards things that are exotic, inanimate, and dead. Reason being, these are things that are more easily commodifiable. We can extract it and process it and sell it. So that's why we have that bent, or a big part of why uh, we have that bent towards uh, those aspects of cultures, as opposed to uh, living things or expressions from living people. Exotic, I've talked about before, things that are separate. From us, you know, generates that sense of, you know, striking, attention getting, escaping when it's exotic and different from what we're used to. That's one. Uh, Inanimate, you know, uh, not often you're going to get a presentation of a Mexican without a sombrero. Mexican equals sombrero. That's quick association. Boom, done. Uh, Lots of different dresses function this way. So, you know, we have a Moroccan with a jalaba, you have uh, Indian with a a bindi, you know, or or if it's a woman, a sari, uh, you know, all up and down we gravitate towards, you know, dress and food and buildings, architecture, you know, uh, show me a depiction of Egypt that doesn't have a pyramid in there. Uh, you know, pottery and all this sort of stuff. I can get I can get more games about uh, door knockers uh, and <laughs> doors in general than about living people sometimes. And dead, the past. Uh, we gravitate towards ancient Greek as opposed to modern Greece. We gravitate towards, uh, you know, an ancient Norse as opposed to what's going on uh, now in that land. Uh, ancient Mesoamerica, uh, as opposed to what's happening now with modern descendants of Mayans and Aztecs. And going back in the past like that, we do it because we see more exotic stuff, you know, and uh, especially when it's titillating, you know, we, you know, ancient Mayans sacrificed. Uh, So we'll talk about that, the violence and, you know, all the other stuff that excites us as gamers that becomes extracted and stereotyped and appears in our games over and over again. Now, uh, the counter-argument is going to become, well, that stuff existed. That is fair game all the time. Well, they did thought sacrifices back in the day. They did this and they did this and they wear this and they wear that. Yes, that is all true. I'm not taking anything away from that. The issue is that when we emphasize this exotic and the inanimate and the dead of a culture, they can become reductive. We can take uh, those ideas and say that all Mexicans wear a sombrero. All of Egypt is a tiny bit of land uh, surrounding the pyramids. Uh, this Anytime you get the sense of like all blank, 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 that's where you get a reductive stereotype and that translates into fantasy as well. I mean I'm talking about historical stuff, but in our fantasy that's where a lot of the problems are coming from uh, that you hear about in you know TTRPGs and other other areas. all orcs are brutal savages which happens to line up with how we think of uh, black folks in America or at least some of us do. Uh, all bankers in fantasy have this vaguely Jewish aspect that it just sneaks in there. Without knowing, it takes people from that culture or familiar with that culture, familiar with the practice, to point it out. It's that reductive all aspect that causes the problem because what all does over generalizations and judgments do is they kill curiosity. Curiosity counter-argument. Oh, if I bring in a cultural thing that makes somebody curious about the other culture to learn more, but when it's stereotyped, it actually does the opposite. Now I've made the judgment. I don't got to learn about anything. Everything I know is right here in this reified thing. Not only that, that's where the seeds of actual racist stuff can come in if i use the r word the r bomb racism i am not accusing the creator of being racist not accusing the person who plays the game of being racist the thing itself as a stereotype can you know uh, be the seeds of racist ideas that come down the pike later So in this series, I'm gonna talk about that. I'm gonna talk about how stereotypes are presented and also offer alternatives, usually along the lines of making 2D into 3D. Give something flesh, give something authenticity, bring in people who can help you do that. And usually that's the way forward for stereotypes, which I'll explore in the case series. So now we get to the E in my acronym case, cultural erasure. In many ways, it is the flip side to cultural stereotyping. That is when the depiction is there but distorted in some way. Erasure is when it's not there (laughs) at all. So uh, it comes up whenever you have a cast of human characters and the human characters look a certain way. Uh, You know, usually fair, usually male, uh, does not conform with the world. The world is diverse. The world has many hues, many skin colors, many genders, many cultures. Uh, And it is fair to wonder uh, why the game, whatever game it is, is not representative of the culture. Now, I'm not saying that every single game has to kind of press diversity buttons. Every game is different, has a different story, uh, is doing a different thing however especially when the game has some kind of breadth beyond a very narrow focus let's say it's a sci-fi game uh and the faction or whatever um creatures are in there are representing an entire uh species of people it's fair to wonder why the depictions in that game uh, look a certain way as opposed to being more diverse so that can result from different things maybe the creators are uh, you know of a certain gender and skin color and there's not a lot of diversity uh, making the game or it's intended for an audience. And the assumption is that the audience, it looks a certain way as well. So those are kind of surface things and we'll explore that in this uh, Case Files series. Deeper than that though, there is a whole uh, level and level and levels <laughs> of erasure, especially when you get to historical games cultural games when the uh when a certain situation is erased that is supposed to be there the motivation for erasure can be um lots of different ones what i find most often is that erasure happens when the game somehow doesn't want to deal with the discomfort generated in evoking an historical thing like colonization So then, uh, or exploration, like you have an exploration situation where, you know, let's explore the high seas or let's explore this open land uh, in the game where the game is evoking a real life thing where there was a lot of struggle with, uh, you know, indigenous or natives or whoever was there. Wars were fought, conflict was fought, but for whatever reason, that doesn't make it into the game. So that is a level of erasure. Uh, But just, you know, removing them entirely is only one uh, strategy for it. There's lots of other ones. Uh, Recently, I've encountered a couple of examples of what I like to call monster washing. There's still resistance. There's still struggle. There's still fighting because gamers love that. But let's replace the human analogs or the cultural analogs with monsters, aliens, uh, so that we don't... uh, Theoretically feel bad about what we're doing, even though the game in other ways is evoking that history. Lots of ways to erase, to create comfort, which we will explore in this series. So not only can our bodies and our faces get erased, sometimes they're in the game, represented as chips or whatever it is, but the struggle has been erased. Oppression, exercises of power are constant in human history, but so is resistance to and rebellion against that power. Slaves uh, slowed down their work or ran away or stole property, destroyed property, or even rebelled against their masters. Uh, Indians fought for every inch of their land once they realized what the colonizers were up to. Labor would go on strike, withhold their labor, uh, engage in all sorts of crazy actions when they didn't feel like they were being treated fairly or paid their wage. In games, though, uh, a lot of times you'll have workers represented and, you know, different uh, peoples represented, but they don't do anything. They're inert and the locus of control becomes solely the perspective of the player, which is often the boss or the general or some kind of, uh, you know, active figure that is engaged in some kind of exercise of power now uh i can see somebody making the counter argument well games have to do that because uh, every game glosses every game makes things simple so we don't have to you know uh, take these thousands of things we're not playing history we're playing a game and games have to be streamlined and that's totally fair i accept that i want to throw in the question though that whenever we get these glosses and reductions there Almost always in service of power and flattening and erasing the agency or the very being of marginalized folks. Hmm, that seems a little bit suspicious to me. So that is how I understand the concepts of cultural appropriation, stereotyping, and erasure. Case. I welcome any and all feedback, Uh, you know, affirming messages are always good, but if you disagree, if you have different understandings of those concepts, please uh, let me know in the comments below and we'll have a discussion. Uh, I am going to look at uh, games through the lens of these three not so great things, but once again, as I said in the intro, I'll say it again because it bears repeating, best intentions will be assume just because something is occurring at a table it doesn't mean that i'm making a judgment about the hearts and minds of the people who are playing it making it or enjoying it so uh different games will be looked at but any review that i make will be an invitation for further discussion this is jason reminding you if you can change your mind you can change the world people so until next time later everybody